Welcome to the I Work For Him Power Pod. I'm Michael Miracle, producer for I Work For Him, the voice of the faith in work movement. We are on mission to transform the workplace of every Christian into a mission field. Each quick listening power pod is designed with you in mind and jam-packed with kingdom resources to help you connect your faith and work. How will this impact your workplace? Let's find out right now. For decades, maybe even centuries, the business motto has been, the customer's always right and the customer comes first. How's that working for us today? Not good and not good at all. The general market news media has one thing right, and it's only marginally right about it. Corporate America has become a bastion of wealth creating and people ignoring where the stockholders come before the customers and the employees. That's Jim's opinion. As Jesus followers, we know this is wrong. What's funny is the economists are now coming to their senses and seeing this is wrong as well. When the employees of an organization feel treated like a number, they respond like a prime number. They are lonely with one as their only ally and the ability to divide and conquer is destroyed. That was a whole thing on prime numbers in case you missed that. <laughs> when employees work in an environment where they're genuinely loved and appreciated, the bottom line results are impacted exponentially. So who's talking about this anyway? Will corporate America ever wake up and realize this? Probably not until Jesus followers at the top of widely known companies in the U.S. start leading by loving instead of leading by pressure. How did Jesus bring out the best in his 12 disciples? He loved them unconditionally and showed that firm rebukes with a loving touch, and then he died for them. Are you willing to lead? Are you willing to die? Well, Randy Ross and I, we're going to talk today about his book, Relationomics, as Martha and I have a chance to just look at a business powered by relationships. Dr. Randy Ross, welcome back to I Work For Him to talk about Relationomics. Well, it's great to be with you, Jim and Martha. I enjoyed being with you before and looking forward to being able to talk about Relationomics today. Talking about Relationomics, business powered by relationships, a book written by Dr. Randy Ross, This is a book that's transformational. It's a book that describes how anyone who is a leader, which a leader is defined by somebody who has influence over another, that this is all driven by relationships. And when you have a relationship with the people that work underneath you, that that you whether that would be in a in a in a business environment, a church environment, a nonprofit environment, a neighborhood environment, and a homeowners association, whatever it may look like for you to being in charge or over people, that people are valuable. In fact, they're your biggest asset. In fact, they show up on your balance sheet, right, Randy? Ross, you talk about the fact, we keep talking about the value of human beings. Then you bring up this thing in your book called human capital. But yeah, I've never, ever seen human capital on a balance sheet. Why? Yeah. Well, I think it's just this lack of understanding of the power that people bring to the organization. It's Mm -hmm. fascinating to me, Jim, how much organizations spend in terms of time, energy, and resources on product development, you know, in R&D and manufacturing and then distribution. And we we spend a lot of time refining our processes, and, um, and we even do a lot when it comes to supply chain. But it's amazing to me how little we invest in helping people grow to maturity, especially on this relational front. When all business, bottom line, is powered by people, that your people um, are your brand to the world, and and how they interact with your clients will determine, uh, basically, your customer loyalty. And so it it is fascinating to me that while you can't put it on the balance sheet, here's what I can tell you, that when we put people above profits, the profits will follow. Okay. I love that concept. Say, let's of course, say that again. If people, when you put people when, above profits, then the profits, profits will, will follow. follow. 
Again, because simple- if you think about it, you, you know, money is a lagging indicator. The productivity of any organization, it just shows what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. And I say this all the time. When you create the right kind of culture and you produce the right kind of connectivity with your client, when you truly make it personal, then people will gladly pay full price for those things that they deem bring true value to life. And there's nothing that brings true value to life more than rich relationships. Again, simple concept. How are how we we've, we've been missing this? Because when you when you go on to the uh, any of the you know MSNBC, uh, CNBC, uh, Fox Business Channel, you don't hear them talking about human capital. You hear them talking about stock prices, new releases. You hear them talking about you know uh, mergers and acquisitions. You don't hear them talking about. You know, we realized that our people were really important, so we decided to train our managers on how to value other people. I've never heard that show. <laughs> no, no, but unfortunately, let's... that's not there. But, but yet, it is the most important element in any any process and strategy when it comes to to building a business. Well, so let's just talk about that for a minute. How are you then taking this concept of relationomics to um, organizations and and helping them with their culture? Yeah, well, one of the things that I get the privilege to do is to speak at regional and national leadership conferences for organizations of all kinds, and even globally, talking with them about the power of healthy relationships and and helping them understand how to invest more deeply in their people, whether that be through rich coaching conversations or, or helping them navigate conflict within the life of the organization. You know, one of the things that, that depletes energy from any organization is um, uh, underlying unresolved conflict. And, and sometimes we use the term conflict management. I, I hate that term. I mean, who, who wants to manage conflict? I want conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. And conflict resolution, for, for us, we suggest two things in the book. One is what we call rules of engagement. Uh, rules of engagement is a military term that's used, uh, basically coming out of the Geneva Convention and other conventions that simply gives rules and guidelines for how one military force is to enter into and continue to stay engaged with other military forces in a civilized fashion, if you can say that's even possible in warfare. But the intent is to minimize civilian or collateral damage. In the same way, there are rules of engagement that we should apply interpersonally when it comes to conflict resolution and if we miss these rules of engagement, then it can be devastating to any work environment um, because it can spread and be more deadly than mustard gas. Let's let's make that personal for a second because when you talk about rules of engagement and raw conversation, people are going really cool names for concepts. Give us some examples of what that is, what that looks like. Give me give me an example of a raw conversation. Well, can I back into it first? You, let me let me it, talk about rules. It's about your books, so of course you can. <laughs> <laughs> so so let's talk about the first rule of engagement, Jim. Um, there are five, but I'll just give you the first one. And if we could just adhere to the first one, it would resolve eighty to ninety percent of all interpersonal conflict in the workforce. And it would reduce drama significantly. And it's it's stated in the first person, it goes like this. In order to preserve a, a spirit of unity, <clears throat> and here's the here's the rule of engagement. I commit to you that I will talk to you before I ever talk about you. See, what often happens when there's an offense or there's, you know, call people over to our side, tell our story and get them to come join hands with us to provide for us the emotional support that we need. But 
been doing that, there's a word for that. It's called gossip. And whenever there's water cooler conversation or closed door conversation, you know, and we cast aspersions on someone else's uh, character because we tell the story from our point of view, that's gossip. And gossip is deadly. And this isn't, you know, rules of engagement from Randy Ross. This is from straight from Matthew 18. Um, when you realize that you, you have offended a brother or a brother has offended you, leave your gift at the altar and go directly to him. And so it's a concept that's deeply biblically based, but it's rarely followed in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is you have all these factions and splintering of relationships because people just don't simply follow some good, strong advice on how to deal with conflict. So that's a great one to start with. I will talk to you before I ever talk about you. You mentioned in the book that it's really important that we recognize that people are broken. Everybody's broken to some degree. Mm-hmm. How, if I as a leader recognize, and that is something I recognize, almost everybody's got some sort of, some level of woundedness inside of them. How does that help me be a better leader when I recognize that everyone has a little bit of brokenness in them, including me? Well, when we recognize that everyone's broken, we, we have some fun at the beginning of the chapter. We're talking about you know, the scene from Young Frankenstein, if you recall, where Gene Wilder uh, is engaged in this conversation with Igor, um, and Igor is telling him that he had put this abnormal brain, right, into this huge mammoth of a creature. Everyone is abnormal. When we scratch beneath the surface, we all have this common trait called brokenness. And, And so when we enter into it with a spirit of humility, and understand that we all have room to grow, then that authenticity and transparency can transcend into other relationships, and we can move and love people in a spirit of grace. But that also means holding them accountable. Uh, like we said in Remarkable, our first book, you know, a good culture is a place where people believe the best in one another, and so therefore they want the best for one another, mm. and they expect the best from one another. So even when we believe the best in others, we also have to uh, firmly establish that with accountability. Dr. Randy Ross, I asked you the question before the end of the last segment uh, about, you know, so often accountability is from the top down, never from the bottom up. Yet in all healthy environments, in all healthy organizational environments, feedback has to be circular. It's got to be 360. As you put it, open loops of continuous feedback just to finish up your thoughts on that as as I interrupted you because we had to go to break. This is something that can really change. The, I mean, really vault an organization to a whole other level, isn't it? Well, I think it certainly is, Jim, because as we are able to effectively create these open loops of continuous feedback, then an organization really becomes uh, self-coaching and self-policing, meaning that it doesn't have to be heavy-handed because colleagues can talk with one another and they can hold each other accountable when we're all committed to the same values. And so we do a lot in the book about coaching conversations. You know, raw conversations is one form of that, but there are other forms of coaching conversations. There's a complimentary conversation, coaching conversation when you affirm people. There's a, a curious conversation when you're not sure about the, the facts and the details, but you're just exploring. There's a concerned conversation when you feel like things are sliding sideways and and you need to take action. And there's a corrective type of conversation. But whenever we can have those kinds of healthy, meaty conversations in organizational life at all levels and in all directions, then organizations do become self-coaching. And they coach each other up. It's sort of like on the field of play. 
all the athletes talking together to make sure that everybody is covering their assignments effectively in order to move the ball down the field. It's just the simplicity of what you're trying to communicate is astounding. The complexity of the execution is still not there. I mean, it's still fairly simple to execute, yet what is it when you work with leaders of organizations what is the resistance when you tell them, I mean, you quote a lady in, in a lady leader in your book, and she says to you her secret to lead people effectively, you have to love them deeply. That's right. And, 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 I, and I know for a fact, I have never had anybody tell me they got that course in an MBA program. So when you tell a leader that line to lead people effectively, you have to love them deeply. What's the response you typically get when you talk about, I mean, that's, that's kind of radical stuff. Yeah, well, love is such an overused, misunderstood word. Yeah. But Jesus made it very, very clear. But in the marketplace, you know, we have to lead with love. And what that means is that we're constantly seeking to understand how we can better serve other people. And there's certain things that we can share. And we highlight several of these in the book. But first and foremost, we share our time with others. And it's one of our most valuable commodities. So we have to be careful how we invest and in whom we invest, but we share our time. In addition to that, we share our support, our encouragement, you know, our our um, our direction. We, we share our relationships because most people are only a, an introduction or two away from success to be able to connect with the right people. We share our knowledge because we've got certain life experiences and skill sets that we can impart to others. And I think it's important that we share our story, too, not just the not just the Facebook side of life, you know, the, the highlights, but, I mean, our, our failures, our challenges, our struggles, because people can learn from those as well. And then it's important we share our appreciation uh, with others for a job well done. And all of that, you know, rolled together is how we love people deeply. But I think leaders have to understand this, Jim, that when people decide whether or not they're going to follow them, there are three questions that, that someone asks before they choose to follow someone, and they're not spoken, but they're definitely processed. The first one is, can I trust this person? And so a lot of this is precipitated on a, on a deep level of trust. Is this person going to do what's right no matter what? The second question is, is this person competent, and can I count on them? Will, will they follow through on the commitments that they make? And then lastly, does this person have my best interest at heart? And when people know that we, we are people that can be trusted, that we are dependable, we're competent, we are capable of getting it done, and lastly, that we have their best interest at heart, I think that's the key to demonstrating love is that we have someone else's best interest at heart. All right. So there are examples of companies out there where this has been practiced. And I'm not going to ask you for any names because I've been significantly uh, unsuccessful at getting you to you know call anybody <laughs> out. But can you give me an example of of just of show? Uh, tell our listeners how this is being put into action. Give think of one company in mind and and the impact on the company mm -hmm. from where they were before they started to put relationomics into action and and what it looks like today. Oh man! Well, let's just take one that everybody's probably familiar with. And, and that's a little organization based here in Atlanta that sells chicken sandwiches. Um, the, the co-author of the first book, excuse me, Remarkable, was the vice president of marketing there at Chick-fil-A. But, but Truett Cathy founded Chick-fil-A on this whole idea of healthy relationships. Um, as a matter of fact, he was fond of saying, the more personal you make it, the more impactful it will become. 
and he was mm. always striving to um, to serve others. It was always creating value for other people. As a matter of fact, at some very strategic times in the life of the organization, when they were still young, he, he would consistently say, if we make it better, our customers will insist that it be bigger. And so his focus was never on growing large or making more money. It was always on taking care of the people, both internally and externally. And consequently, they've developed what I consider to be one of the best cultures that you can find anywhere. And now there are a lot of other organizations that have seen the impact of that. You're talking about the bottom line of the balance sheet. Well, Chick-fil-A is wildly successful, privately held, debt-free, pressing close to $10 billion in annual sales. I'd say that's pretty successful. But it was all founded on this whole idea that if you treat people well and you put profits, uh, if you put people above profits, that the profits will follow. How do you see that? What's the challenge look like when you try to get that to go to the next generations Mm -hmm. to make sure that this isn't lost on the next generations? Well, I think the key to that is that it's not driven by personality. It's driven by principles. Mm -hmm. And so even though Truett was a phenomenal man and a great statesman, it was the values that he established the organization on and that subsequently those who join the organization are likewise committed to. It's a concept we call value centricity. When my values align with the values of the organization, then value centricity is created and, and great things can take place because you create a conduit through which energy can flow. Check him out online, drrandyross.com, drrandyross.com. You've been listening to Our Work Room with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers. Our workplace definitely is our mission field, but ultimately, I work for him. Thank you for listening to the I Work For Him Power Pod with your hosts, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. Want more? Hear the full broadcast at iworkforhim.com. Stay connected and receive power pack content when you sign up for our blog at iworkforhim.com or follow us on social media at iworkforhim. And finally, if today's message inspired you, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Your review helps launch more workplace missionaries across the nation. That's at iWorkForHim and online, iWorkForHim.com.